This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Only Podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Smith, joined as always by your other co-host, John Kirby. You can follow us on Twitter at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby. And as always, follow the mothership at The Only Colors. Today is Tuesday, September 28th, maybe Wednesday, September 29th. TBH haven't decided yet. And John, my football team, my team is 4-0. Oh, cool. Same. Wow. What are, <laughs> what are, the, what are the odds? That's great. Dude, that was a wild uh, little weekend we had here. Yeah, that was, um, I think as we dive right in, that was the most stolen game I can mm. remember in, I don't know, I don't know how long. I mean, that that, that game was, the, the, the way I came away from it at the end was MSU, quite frankly, had no business, no business winning that game after the way that that offense performed in the second half. Just none whatsoever. <laughs> and, but, and the, yeah, however, spin zone, <laughs> they did because this defense who was on the field for 27-plus minutes in the second half and overtime, they, they did more than hold their own. Uh, yeah, I mean, the defense probably had their best game of the of the season, all things considered, so far. I mean, some of the stats just are, are eye-popping. I mean, Xavier Henderson had 17 tackles. <laughs> Xavier Henderson is, is, is officially in, I think, in All-America discussion. Like, first-team All-Big Ten. Like, he is yeah. playing at yeah, that level. Yeah, he's right there. The defense in general, seven sacks, 11 tackles for loss, one forced fumble, one interception, third round the Spartan nation. Uh, and you know, the other thing is if Adrian Martinez wasn't one of the a most magician. Yeah. Dynamic quarterbacks. And I say that loosely because he's, he has no option, but to be like that <laughs> with that offensive yeah. line. It's just like, apparently hates him. Like <laughs> I'm pretty sure Adrian Martinez has, 
taken every one of his offensive linemen's girlfriends at some point. Because <laughs> they just like kind of sometimes feel like they they they're out to get him. And he he made, you know, lemonade out of some lemons a lot of time. And frankly, it was the only time they were in the game in the first half. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think in another world where Peyton Thorne completes a couple more passes that he probably should have completed and Adrian Martinez doesn't escape having guys dragged all over him to make, you know, big first down plays on third down, which he did at least a couple times. MSU's up at least three touchdowns in the first half. I mean, they were, I think they were the superior team in the first half had chances to punch in seven when they were only able to settle for three. And this was the first game. Well, let's, I guess let's concentrate on the good and then we'll talk about the bad, the good, that defense, like you said, defense was, I mean, they, Martinez was forced into making some of those crazy plays, little side pitches and, and, and running for first downs, things like that. I mean, he was, he was made to, his hand was forced and he came and delivered. I mean, hand up. I said, this guy stinks. Somehow he's still around. Hey, he, he, if, if maybe if given an offensive line, you might be able to see what Scott Frost has been seeing in practice for the last four years or whatever it's been. Um, yeah. Yeah. They're, 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 he played really well. I was impressed by their defense uh, against MSU's oh. offense. I thought, you know, I think a decent amount of, a decent amount of it was on Peyton Thorne, but that defense, they said, we are going to not let you run. Bottled up uh, Kenneth Walker all night. They said, we're committing to that. We're going to make you make quick decisions and get the ball out. And quite frankly, uh, is a great game plan. And one that I think you'll see a lot of teams uh, attempt to to utilize moving forward. Um, and Thorne is going to have to be better if MSU is going to win, you know, go some of the places that people are now, for better or worse, saying that they could go. Uh, he missed, he, he was behind uh, runners on those crossing routes. I mean, I, I don't think Jalen Naylor didn't even have a catch despite having, I think, four or five balls thrown his way because they were all behind him going over the middle. Um, airmailed a couple of deep ones and, and just his interception was, was it just didn't look, com- he didn't look comfortable the entire night. And his biggest play, which was the completion to None other than Connor Hayward, which just mm. I I mm. ascended to the heavens the mm. moment that that happened. That was all Hayward. <laughs> That's not <laughs> pretend like that was some great ball by by Thorne. That was all uh, the triple B. So time out, time out. There's only yeah. one person in in college football that it's impossible to leave hanging out to dry because he left him hanging out <laughs> to dry by air mailing it to him and giving the defender a free shot at his ribs. And I don't know if Connor felt it. And I think he has an extra set of ribs. Like sharks have an extra set of teeth. Yep. I think he's just got yep. like an extra layer down there. And then just, you know, takes it another step and embarrasses not one but two defenders in the same play and doesn't go down and is staring down at the Nebraska <laughs> defender, which by the oh way, again, a really good defense. The best defense that Michigan State's played yet this year. Oh yeah. So somehow a, a very um, undisciplined team, somehow still more disciplined than Miami, but <laughs> but this but a team that probably the best defense MSU is going to go up against for a couple more weeks. So you like you said, you you saw the new game plan against MSU offense, but I want to point one thing out, and I don't want to, I don't know if they're related, Peyton Thorne. 
the first interception was bad. Don't get me wrong. But then he was uncharacteristically off in his throws, which may have been pressure, may have been something else, but it seemed like he got his bell rung. And Mm -hmm. I'm not inferring that he was concussed or or anything like that. I'm just saying he got hit maybe, you know, and, and, and things changed a little bit after that. And uh, yeah, he, he was under the most pressure he's been under all season. I mean, he, he was consistently getting hurried in the pocket. And he, also won't slide. he also won't slide. And that's got to change. He has to slide. Yes, I, I firmly, firmly agree with that. Yeah, he just he had a very pedestrian evening. And in the second half, you could tell. Um, yeah, I will say one thing. Credit to, you know, uh, hopefully for health reasons, nothing is uh, awry here necessarily. but. Um, Credit to Mel Tucker for sticking with him, despite that thing going south. I think that if you, if it's a different coach in a different situation in a different type of atmosphere, I think you could have found a very, very easy reason to pull him and put in your six-year guy in Anthony Russo, who might be able to calm things down a little bit and kind of get get your offense back on track, but. Um, credit to Tucker for not doing that because I think that probably ends up shooting thorns. You know, that, that shows him the leash is real short and would not have said, uh, I think, the right messages moving forward. So um, I think credit credit to where it's due. Uh, and then finally, let's let's get around to it. The, the part of the game, and this just, I can't express how happy this makes me. Michigan State won this game with special teams. Make no mistake. Yeah. I mean, the the and and shout out to your boy John Ross Ells for calling the uh, the fake return and somehow mm. having it work. Um, mm. That Jaden Reed touchdown at it with four minutes left had me standing in front of my TV with both hands over my mouth, just like yeah, uh, aghast. I didn't make any noise. I was just sort of standing there, like absolutely in shock that. Not only did they make that play in that moment, in, in, in the Antonio era, era, that play would have had a nickname, just for the record. Um, mm-hmm. We would have had to come up with something creative. But that they called that punt return formation, and then it worked. I couldn't believe it worked. Like, what, are we in, like, seventh grade? Like, when is the last time that worked? I don't know. So, Scott Frost was very okay with throwing uh, former Spartan punter William Step under the big bell, big bell. Who who punted that? I believe. I think it was him, and he said he, you know, he punted to the wrong side of the field. And I don't even know if that's true. I mean, who knows? It, it was set up that both, you know, Jaden Reed and Jalen Naylor both look like they're going to catch the ball, and the guys releasing downfield are kind of they don't look up and look for the ball. You look for the returner, right? They yep. didn't even split up though. Like, like no one. MSU has never shown a two guy, two uh, punt return, returner formation yet this year, and so that may have been a part of the surprise for Nebraska. But regardless, you know, Jaden Reed, he said, was asked at what point he knew he had a chance to take it to the house, and Reed said two seconds after it was punted. I saw a wave of guys in white and red go that way, and I said, yeah, this is six. And that's so <laughs> dope, first of all. And 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 second of all, like, you know, was it a play call? Wasn't a play call? 
it doesn't matter because what I want to focus on is Scott Frost teams do this. They shoot themselves in the foot better than any team you've ever seen. Mm -hmm. So, so for, for Scott Frost, you know, to throw people under the bus, whatever he wants to do, that shoe is going to drop the whole game. Okay. So like, don't get confused or twisted about was this lucky, whatever. No, Nebraska played Nebraska football under Scott Frost. That's what happened. Okay. Michigan state played Michigan state football under Mel Tucker. That's what happened. And you know who wins that game? Michigan State. The end. That's what happens. And I know we were giving Adrian Martinez a lot of credit. He was the only thing that makes Nebraska go. But guess what? Adrian Martinez under Scott Frost also is good for two turnovers a game. And guess what he did? Two turnovers in this game. So, you know, you you get each Nebraska fan is just incensed and upset. And it's like, well, you make the bed, like you sleep in the bed you make guys like what it, nothing is ever going to change when you have the, you know, those two people, it's going to be decent, but it's never going to be good enough. And I'm sorry, would, but it's just Nebraska football. But it would be infuriating. I think in watching that team, if I were a Nebraska fan, I would be incensed because there's no shortage of talent. Football. It's it John is. L. Smith football. It's it, I, I I that's a great comparison. It is a very talented team, especially defensively. I mean they yeah. they they made an offense that has put up 38 points in every game. Again, admittedly, you know, uh, part of that's against Youngstown, part of it's against Northwestern. But like they made an offense that's been humming, that's been balanced. They made them one dimensional, and they made everything really really difficult all night. They were breathing down the quarterback's neck. That second half, I think MSU had one yard of offense. I mean, they were dominating that game, and then off, and then they would make stupid penalties, and then they would turn the ball over, and it would just be. I mean, they shot themselves in the foot in the first half a couple of times that ended some scoring potential scoring drives. It would just it would. And then, like you said, the shanked. There was another shank punt by Prista. There was punt. this seven yard. Right. That put MSU in position to get a field goal, I think, at the end of the first half, if I recall. I mean, there's there's the 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 the, the interception in overtime, which is the only time you can't make that mistake. There's. All of these other, just staring him down. And it's the same route they've been running all night. I mean, credit to Kimbrough. Yeah. Credit to Chaz Kimbrough, who, which, by the way, found out that's his name. Love that. Also, Uh, credit to him. Incredible. And and you're right. It's predictably bad. And the only thing I could compare it to, if if you weren't around for the John L. Smith years, Nebraska football is kind of like being a Lions fan. They they will under Scott Frost find ways to mess it up. They will look for creative ways to lose. Okay, and it it was just coming. And it's it's easy for me to sit here and be like, well, John, you sound pretty confident right now after it was happening. But no, you're just waiting for it. And to be crystal clear, this is a wake up call for a lot of I think the expectation ceiling for Michigan State fans. I'm going to be kind of harsh right now. Michigan State did win a close game. You can feel very good about that. Michigan State will be in other close games later this year. They will be playing teams not coached by Scott Frost in close games later this year. Do with that information what you will. You understand that I'm inferring. Okay? They're not going to win them all. This is not, you know, they're not there yet. But 
they won this game. And in large part, the other shout out we want to give to your boy, Bryce Barron. It's a special teams, man. Special teams won this game because Barringer put them in tough positions all night. And where's this guy been? Like, <laughs> yeah. that's what I want to know. It's like, where's he been? Like, we've gone through, gone through how many punters in the last two years, and Barringer's now, I think he's either leading or a second or third in the nation in average punt yeah. distance. It's almost almost 60 yards a punt. That's it's incredible. Hard to do. And then we found a third wide receiver, Austin. Trey Mosley. Trey Mosley, man. The guy can run a drag route. I don't know what to tell you. He, he, he's he got six catches, I think, for 70 yards in this game. Ended That's up leading Michigan State in receptions and yardage, including a 35-yarder that he broke off. I mean, it is funny because in watching that game, you didn't feel – I, all I remember feeling is doom and gloom from the offense. And now I'm looking at the numbers, and from a receiver, I mean – Hayward had a 34-yarder. Reed had a 35-yarder and caught a touchdown. Mosley had a 35-yarder. I mean, listen, the numbers still aren't beautiful, but at the end of the day, they actually did make a handful of big plays offensively. When you look back a a few years in the rear view, last five, I think I feel comfortable saying, uh, you didn't have three 30-plus-yard plays in a game, Mm -hmm. um, let alone a game where they were bad and still won. So shout-out to them. And I actually do have – I have – a couple well shout out to the entire defensive line i thought the mm-hmm. defensive line has been once again has been phenomenal this year and shout out to maybe my certainly one of my new favorite players on this team and it's the guy that comes out of nowhere that's always my favorite dude jeff petrowski oh. all he does is find his way to the ball and oh. whether the ball is in the hands of the quarterback or on the ground this guy's got three and a half sacks now uh, he had, let's see, let me pull the box score back up. He had uh, a sack and a half, a tackle and a half for loss. Obviously, those are the same plays. But um, he recovered a fumble in this one, which was a huge, huge, huge play. Um, it, he just manages to find ways. And this is one of those things where you look at the way Mel Tucker coaches and and, and what he preaches to his players. He says, I'm going to play the players that play the best. I don't care what your star ranking is although listen we all love stars i don't care what that is you're going to come out and you're going to do your job and you're going to get minutes and petrowski is a perfect example of that i mean he was he had to play in times when other guys had been not available and all he's done is earn more snaps and he, it's all he keeps doing so shout out to him shout out to cal holiday shout out jacob slade had a sack and two tackles for loss simeon barrow goes from we're thinking he's the fourth defensive tackle to practically starting and playing more than anybody else he has uh, half a sack and seven tackles. I mean, this all around on the defense. And then again, Chaz Kimbrough, listen, we've, we've ridden him a little bit early thinking, you know, where, where is he? Is he going to get jumped by Brantley? He's playing behind Gervin, all of this stuff. And he steps up, uh, makes it just a huge play right, right when you needed him to. Um, and as we look ahead uh, to some games coming up, he's going to be tested quite a bit. So just, to put a bow on this one, all in all, um, MSU stole one. But listen, that is to your point, John. I think we we do need to 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 take this one and just really enjoy it because they stole this game. There are going to be challenges and from teams that don't shoot themselves in the foot like this. But MSU has now won in every type of way that you can win in your first four games. Right? You go on the road in the Big Ten, your first game, you win comfortably. You beat that FCS school at home. You go on the road and beat another top 25 team 
uh, down in, in kind of like a big premier game. And then you come home and, and win at night when the pressure's kind of on and you're the team with the number in front of your name. So that's a lot of experience to gain for, for a team in, in four games. So it is exciting to look ahead and think, uh, what could be. And, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll wrap it with this. I'm feeling pretty good about my, uh, MSU over four and a half bet that I placed this off season. Mm. Yeah. As me as well, um, to the demise of many Michigan fans who would have you thinking otherwise, a couple, <laughs> a couple housekeeping admin notes, uh, Austin, I'm going to, I'm going to pick on Chaz Kimbrough quickly. You need to house that. I'm sorry. Oh my God. So fair. I think when we were texting about this game, I said he should have housed that, but great pick. And, and I, I don't even blame him as much as a bunch of dudes who have never had to block before. (laughs) It was not to block. They were running with him. You got half. They were just like, we got to run fast. We got, we got to get in the picture. It's like they're all thinking about how they were going to celebrate. Meanwhile, an offensive line (laughs) catches them from behind. It's like, guys, regardless, whatever, you know, it it was fine. The it all worked out. The other housekeeping notes I wanted to keep to get on the board was uh, Kalon Gervin. uh, You mentioned Chase Klein and um, Alex. uh, have all decided to hit the transfer portal and you may be wondering mid-season what the heck well this preserves a year of their eligibility so mm-hmm. if there was a time to leave it would be now Kalon Gervin clearly unfortunately for him passed on the depth chart by a freshman Chuck Brantley Chester Kimbrough firmly uh, you know in, in reps right behind Ronald Williams. The next question is, is who's going to be that fourth corner now? Yeah. And it's, there's a lot of opportunity. You know, you got Dowell and Darius Snow at the nickel pretty handily. Gross has seen, and Henderson have the safeties positions pretty well locked up. And I don't even think there were a lot of um, snaps taken by anyone else back there. There's an opportunity for somebody, you know, is it Marky Lowry? Is it... Yeah. CJ Hayes, you know, uh, coming to the other side of the ball. Is it another freshman? You, we don't know. And and the problem is, is that we got to figure it out this coming week against literally Western. immediately. Like yeah. it needs to be decided now. I do think this is a good chance for some of those transfers, though. I mean, Kari Crump from Arizona. It, this mm-hmm. is why you came here to compete for these minutes. I I think Marquis Lowry is probably the the guy to watch. Uh, yeah. I would imagine they said he really did impress in camp. Uh, and I've seen him out there a little bit more, especially on special teams. Antoine Booth, freshman uh, right. from Mar- from Maryland, another guy. I mean, those are your three guys, right? Maybe C.J. Hayes. I mean, Emmanuel Flowers is still there. So yeah. uh, I got to think they're going to err on the side of youth, for better or worse, because they're trying to find long-term contributors. But, um, yeah, you're right. It opens up a very interesting point. I don't – I think specifically – that's the one that makes me a little nervous. Okello probably honestly surprised me the most. Yeah. Um, I because mean, he's a yeah. freshman and never really even got the opportunity to crack the rotation. I mean, hey, listen, this is the era we're in. Like, these, this is, yep. is going to happen every single year. Get used to it. Um, it opens up and, you know, listen, for everybody who enjoyed the transfer portal last year, it opens up three more spots. So well, <laughs> uh, I'm ways, addicted right? to roster turnover. 
Yeah, it, it, it goes both ways, and, and unfortunately. And the Chase Klein one was also a bit surprising to me, considering, you know, he was not a starter, but, and I guess, you know, he did start last year. Um, you know, take that for what it's worth. He, he did contribute in this game, and, mm-hmm. and was going to see reps, you'd imagine, the rest of the year. Now you're looking at, you know, Cal Halliday is seemingly going to be a four-year linebacker starter for Michigan State. Yep. Um, Quavo Crouch is getting better every game. Um, ben Van Simmeren, you know, unsurprisingly getting a lot of reps. So now you have another spot, right? Is it going to be Noah Harvey? Do they go back to, to him? Or is this an opportunity for my uh, gay? I can never get his name. I got it. Guy Oteote. Guy thank you. You're the last name. <laughs> and first name, guy, to be honest. And, you know, is this for him a true freshman? Is he going to see the field? Someone's got to play, right? You know, if, yeah. I wonder if, and okay, for, yeah. So I think it is a nice, you know, listen, we, we trash Noah Harvey our fair share, but um, it's nice to have him as a yeah. safety blanket in this moment to yep. lose a guy like Klein and have Harvey there knowing that, Hey, at the very least, he guy's going to know his job. Um, Gao Teote, I think is, this is an obvious indication to me of he's probably going to get some snaps. I haven't seen him on the field yet, but um, because Halliday, I mean, quite frankly, Halliday and Crouch have been phenomenal. And I think Ben uh, Van Samarin has been a really nice third Linebacker. I mean, the athleticism that you see from that group this year compared to last is is pretty pretty stunning. Um, so yeah, I think those guys all have a shot. Carson Castile, who's another freshman, I think it'll be interesting to see what he does. So uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's still a good group. I think that one of the three. I mean, Okello hurts the least because he wasn't playing anyway. Uh, but I would say between Gervin actually affects the depth chart. Klein is more of a you know, I think we're losing your your fourth linebacker for all intents and purposes. It's a bummer to see him go. I mean, I, yeah. I don't we're not saying this in like a well, see you later, you're worth nothing type of thing. It's 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 a shame to lose guys that are contributing and it's it's kind of a like you said, the other side of this whole transfer portal thing where these guys are as concerned about their you know, long term playing future, which they should be, but it's a shame that it has to come at the expense of being on a four and O team of the big 10, you know, coming off this awesome night win where you both played and played well. Yeah. Turn around and have to transfer the next day because you got to make that decision is, is tough. So always be Spartan dogs. Once a dog, always a dog. But um, yeah, yeah. I, I hope they both landed good uh, D one programs and, and do well. For sure. A couple other quick notes um, to wrap up. You, your love for Jeff Petrowski is, is yes. well documented and appreciated. And, I think I just want a quick note about him. He's the only guy that wasn't, um, how do I say this, asked if he would like to reconsider playing at Michigan State, <laughs> despite not being able to fit within Mel Tucker's measurables. Right. And I think that says something, says a lot about this guy, right? Because Mel has some pretty strict parameters before you even get started. And it's not like he felt like I don't think he was really struggling at the DN position. You know, he I think you look, mm-hmm. and he had brought in, Beasley came back, Panashuk came back, got Drew Jordan from Duke, and, you know, maybe was feeling good about Tank Brown and Michael Fletcher and still kept this kid around. And it's a testament to him, right? 
he's the only one that really survived. This is a kid that had a, his other offers out of, uh, uh, were from Akron, Ball State, Bowling Green, Boston College, Buffalo, and Eastern Kent State, Cincinnati, Miami, Ohio, Massachusetts. Like it's an old. It's not a. <laughs> not great. No, and and but it's not. It's not. I'm not talking down about him. I'm just saying like, this is the three star that popped. You found him. Yeah, man. You, you, this is this is a a quintessential D'Antonio, D'Antonio guy. <laughs> <laughs> that's, if we're just being completely honest, that's that's what we have here is the the quintessential D'Antonio guy. And I do I you know we do need to move on here in a second, mm-hmm. but I think it's worth pointing out that like this roster is made mostly of D'Antonio guys. Like yes, there's a lot of other big time contributors. Like make no mistake, Jared Horst. Drew Beasley's been great. Quavo Crouch has been huge. Ronald Williams. I mean, you know, there, there's a lot of players on here that are directly tied to the Mel Tucker era that have been contributing in 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 huge ways. But look at the guys that are making the. I mean, I mean, Peyton Thorne, Jalen Naylor, Jaden mm-hmm. Reed. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the offensive line aside, the entire offensive line aside from Horst, Petrowski, I mean, Simeon Barrow. I mean, the entire defensive line, with the exception of Drew Jordan, for all intents and and maybe Tank Brown, but he hasn't even really played yet. Um, so for everybody who wanted to shit on MD on the way out the door, that's also enjoying this team. Let's not forget that he had a lot to do with the talent here. Now, was he going to be in the best position to add to it? Absolutely not. Was he in the position to get them this level of, of, uh, of juice out of those guys? Probably not, but let's just not forget you know, a lot of people like to, it's kind of like fun for people to trash MD, it feels like nowadays. But let's not forget that he you know, had a way of finding these guys and there's still, there's still going to be plenty of fruit left on the on the vine from the D'Antonio era for the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. Well said. All right. Shall we uh, move on or take a commercial break and jump into uh, national results and Big Ten results and then preview the Western Kentucky game? I think we shall. Okay. Here we go. Three, two, one. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. And we are back. All right, John, other teams played. We should talk about it. So Texas A&M headed to Arkansas and really pooped the bed again. Called it. Called it. I had this one. Arkansas wins 20 to 10. And my dog has thoughts. <laughs> that was the dog's, uh, that was him saying, woo pig suey. Uh, my main takeaway here is the two things I think that I said before the game. First, A&M's backup quarterback is terrible. Zach Calzada goes 20 of 36 for 151 yards and a pick. Simply not good. He was awful against Colorado. Didn't think that was going to improve on the road in, in Fayetteville. Uh, dude, Arkansas is good. I'm not, I'm not totally sure. I'm not totally sure. No, they're not good. They're, they're, they're not good on the matrix, but they're, 
they're they're as interesting and they're ahead of schedule and they're as interesting as they could be because it actually is funny. If you look at their box score, they ran the shit out of the ball. I mean, almost four yards carry ran for almost 200 yards. Uh, Their quarterback completed seven passes for 212 yards. Got a feeling that it's something to do with, with the wind. That's hard to do. Seven completions for 212 yards. Yeah. Uh, Their guy, Traylon Burks, the uh, receiver, unstoppable. This is a, again, put this in the tickler file sitting here today. Um, he's going to be a first round pick. He's a monster receiver. I think he's one of those dudes that shoots up and ends up being maybe one of the first two or three receivers off the board. Uh, he had six catches for 167 and a touchdown in this one. He's listed at 6'3, 225, but his arms go, his hands are at his knees. Uh, this dude is mad. He has huge hands too. So this dude is is a star waiting to happen. Yeah. And this is Texas A&M, right? Like it, it, you got to give them a little bit of a break because they don't have their starting quarterback, but like, care. but this is what they do, right? It's the same thing as Nebraska where they, they're as talented, especially defensively as any team in the country. Super, super, super talented. Get top five classes every year. And then they find a way to lose a stupid game. Now, I guess this isn't necessarily a stupid game because I think Arkansas is a really quality opponent. I mean, Texas has looked great since Arkansas beat them. A&M looked fine in other games. Like, you know, they got to be taken a little bit seriously. But um, I think they're hungry, man. And Sam Pittman deserves a lot of credit for for, for bringing them out into doldrums. Yeah, I mean, Sam Pittman is doing what Brett Bielema came there to do. Run the ball. Unapologetically. And couldn't do it. And, And then he came in and is way ahead of schedule, like you said. They're like Emma, they are more ahead of schedule than Michigan State. No, and absolutely. I mean, they're they're, hard, they're in the SEC. <laughs> that's hard to do because you know, Michigan State's ahead of schedule, friends. So, um, yeah, kindred spirits down there. And you know, as SEC teams go, Arkansas right there with Vandy and least hateable for me. I, I don't care. Oh yeah. Sure, I mean, like I, they never get good things. So, sure. I don't know how you could. Uh... I don't know how you could dislike Arkansas unless you're from the SEC and have some stupid old grudge. It's just too fun of a program. And you could say whoop pig suey. They're <laughs> they're they're their uh, mascot is like part hog, part pig or something. They have some crazy saying. I don't know, but it's awesome. I'm a huge, huge fan of, of Arkansas. I'll be rooting for them this year for sure. Ar- this is an Arkansas podcast now. Yes, um, right. Woo pig. The only woo pig. <laughs> Clemson. Travels to NC State, loses 21 to 27. In this game, NC State did as many NC State things as you could possibly have imagined <laughs> and still won. They missed three field goals, including a chip shot uh, with time expiring in the end of the game, and still won this game. Clemson, get out of here. Get out. Yeah. Bye bye. Out. Everyone, I'm done with it. The shtick was lame. It's not cute anymore. Like, I'm I'm so over this team. They stink. Yeah. yeah, I don't know that they're dead, like as a program, obviously, but no. like this year, I mean, they're two and two, bad, and with a loss in the conference to NC State. And listen, the ACC, oh, talk about a, talk about a gross program. Talk about a gross conference. I mean, that is that is just a disgusting, disgusting program, um, or conference. 
So, yeah, I mean, I mean, NC State's quarterback comes out and goes 32 of 44 for four touchdowns and zero interceptions, completes over 72% of his passes. And I, I don't even necessarily know that it's the defense because it was a double overtime game. I mean, it was 14-14. So Clemson's defense is not the problem. This offense is bad, man. They, they, they can't get How? anything going. I, I don't understand. Uyunglele, the quarterback, 12 of 26 for 111 yards. But how? And then they run the ball. They're running back uh, Shipley, who I believe is a freshman, 11 carries for 36 yards. I, I don't I don't know what's going on. This isn't all the Trevor Lawrence effect. I mean, we talked about, I think, a little bit last week, how their offensive line just doesn't. Right. But I just don't think they get the offensive line talent that some of these other places do. And it's and it's showing up big time this year. It's I got to admit. You don't want to root against schools all the time unless it's Michigan. But uh I'm enjoying the fact that Clemson's bad. I'm enjoying the fact that A&M lost. I'm enjoying the fact that we're getting sure. some new new blood here in in the uh, the conversation yeah. for. But we're also, unfortunately, I think we are, and we'll talk about this as we move on. I think we're staring a two SEC college football playoff oh. Oh, square yeah. in the face. Oh yeah, it's big tough. time. Um, Iowa State went to Baylor, lost thirty-one to twenty-nine. Another program that get them out of here. Yeah, get them out. We're done. They, they had no business losing their game to Iowa. They did. They need to win games like this if you want me to take you seriously. And I'm old enough to remember certain programs that would do anything to have Matt Campbell be their head coach. See, if only. I, I think the world would. God, this would have been the perfect way to continue the misery. Mm-hmm. Would have been to let Jim go last off season and hire Campbell, only to have it all fall apart, um, or continue to fall apart, I should say. Yeah, I'm I'm done with Iowa State. That's another program where people are like, oh, were they the sleeper in the Big Twelve? No, it's Iowa State. Like that's all you have to say to yourself. So yeah. yes, nice of them to prove us all right. And Baylor, all of a sudden, look out, four and zero. Yeah, sure, sure. I mean, yeah, uh, not a. I'll be honest, not a not an awesome week. But you know what? I don't want to say that this season is on 2007 levels of insanity. And mm. if you're not old enough to know, that was truly what made me fall in love with college football was that year. It, and, but we are, we're near that. Like we're getting, it's, there. it's trending that way. Yeah. We're get cause the top teams aren't necessarily like losing, but I think Colton Pouncey tweeted or wrote an article. There have been more, um, upsets through four weeks Vegas line upsets this in four weeks than there have ever been in college football yeah I mean I and we'll talk about it as we get into our matrix which is coming up but uh, outside of the top three I, I got no idea what's coming and one of the and two of those top three are Georgia and Oregon which are teams that are consistently losing games that they should win historically oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, you, you really have no idea. I, I got no idea where where this thing's gonna go. So it's it's gonna be a very fun year. But let's let's talk about the Big Ten this week. Let's run through. So Penn State um, takes care of Villanova, thirty-eight to seventeen. Um, I hope you guys got that Villanova first half cover we recommended last week. <laughs> yeah. Just that, that's all I have to say about this one. I think the only concern. You know, I was really harsh on Michigan State at the beginning here, and you know. But I, I, this is my good cop version of this. You, you're not going to see too many teams that don't have some glaring flaws. Penn State mm-hmm. came on the ball. 
they can't, they can't run the ball. And maybe it's because they were saving guys. I don't know. But they can't run the ball. And they couldn't run against an FCS team. So don't get me wrong. Penn State's a nice team. But mm-hmm. they're vulnerable. Yep. I mean, I don't know how many good teams you're going to get 19 of 26, 401 yard, four touchdown performances from Sean Clifford against. So uh, if that's the way you want to take it, Penn State, by all means. I mean, again, and this just speaks to what we're talking about. There's no chance Penn State goes undefeated. I refuse to believe it unless you why unless they you know what I mean? Unless they they fall ass backwards into it. So, um, yeah, it's a nice you know, listen, it's a, it's a win for them. Great performance from Clifford. Got to make Penn State fans feel feel pretty good. Um, they've got some tough ones coming up, including I mean, home date against Iowa this week. So, here's where, or Indiana, excuse me. Here's where the conference is at. Is Sean Clifford the best quarterback in the <laughs> That's where we're at with quarterbacks right now, folks. I mean, he, he, deserves, uh, he deserves mention. Okay. No question about that. Well, on he the other be, side. Wow. That sucks. On the, on the flip side, Northwestern beats Ohio 35 to 6. The Wildcats have moved on from the Hunter Johnson era, who lit up our defense, and are now going with Ryan Holinsky, South Carolina transfer. I, I mean, Northwestern wins this game. Um, Ohio scores on the last play of the game, a 55 yard score, I think. Which, come on, That's Northwestern. Awesome. What are you doing? Like, get the shutout. But, uh, I mean, good for them. This is one of the few W's left on the schedule, I think, for the Wildcats. Yeah, we said that last week. They needed to get this one or it was uh, pretty far downhill. So, yeah, con- congrats, guys. Way to go. And uh, uh, Hunter Johnson, whoa. That's, uh, when we go through the the, you know, the, the, the history of five stars, uh, I'm gonna, I don't know how many are going to be in the caliber of Hunter Johnson in terms of, like, how did we miss that badly? If you didn't think there would be more Clemson slander on this pod, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, let's keep going. There's a Big Ten game of the week at Soldier Field. Notre Dame took on Wisconsin. Wisconsin leading this game going into the fourth quarter, 13-10. to 10. Final score, Notre Dame 41, Wisconsin 13. Wow. And uh, yeah, I'm going to let you handle this because I have so many thoughts. And this one is maybe a little closer to your heart, I think. Well... My main takeaway is that escalated quickly, uh, really <laughs> took off very quickly. I think the moral of the story is that neither of these teams are good. Um, on the on the Wisconsin side, they once again don't have a quarterback. Uh, they probably feel a little silly about letting Jack Cohn go. Uh, and I think it also speaks to the fact that we shouldn't trust quarterbacks that don't play in major states. Uh, I mean, Graham Mertz mm-hmm. was a four-star best highest rated prospect Wisconsin's ever got, but he played quarterback in Kansas. I think that's all you need to know. Um, yeah. And so to Wisconsin, listen, if Wisconsin doesn't have a quarterback that can do something, which Mertz, Mertz looked awful in, in, in the parts of this game that I saw, they don't have a quarterback that can do something. They're just going to fall apart. Mertz goes 18 of 41 for 240 yards, one touchdown, and four interceptions. If there's one thing you cannot do as the Wisconsin quarterback, it's throw <laughs> interceptions. And this, and that's exactly what he did. And their ground game, quite frankly, against a more talented Notre Dame front, 
28 carries, 78 yards, long of 10. Those are the th- if Wisconsin can't run the ball and they're going to throw interceptions, they're going to lose nine games. I don't think that'll happen to this team, but it's going to fall apart and fall apart quickly. Um, Notre Dame, I think, in this game, just capitalized on Wisconsin's mistakes, especially late. I mean, I think they had two defensive touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Um, I think they were both pick sixes. They had to bring their third string quarterback off, and all he does is go six of eight for 81 yards and a touchdown. They couldn't run the ball. They had 32 carries for nine yards total. Incredible. Um, I don't think either of these teams are particularly good, but I know mean, ultimately Wisconsin just made way more mistakes, and Notre Dame was just uh, ultimately a, a more talented version of of what Wisconsin is. These teams are so mid. I'm sorry, super and, mid. And also, uh, a couple things. Without looking this up, I'm going to confidently tell you this might be the only, the first game where a team has outgained their opponent and lost by 28. Yeah. <laughs> I don't it's think gotta I, be. <laughs> I, I can't think that that has ever happened before. You talk Notre Dame had nine rushing yards. Nine. I don't care. Like what is happening? And also like I, there, I have a, I have a lot to say. I'm going to go a little more macro because you covered a lot okay. of really great things. Okay. It's time we have a really, really long and hard dialogue on Paul Christ. Hmm. Because two two things. One, I was absolutely murdered on Twitter when I said after Graham Mertz's first game, where remember he had one incompletion against Illinois, I think it was or something. And yep. ever you know, and I put out a quarterback list in the Big Ten. I got absolutely run by Wisconsin Twitter about how wrong I was and how how is Graham Mertz not best after one game? And I said. Why don't you guys just sit back and, and wait for the Paul Christ experience? Okay. Here we are. Hi. Ran out a perfectly capable Wisconsin quarterback in Jack Cohn. Guess what he's doing? He's on an undefeated team. A mid one, but he's still on an undefeated team. Paul Christ, he went 34 and 6 in his first three years. You notice who, whose recruits those were? Gary Anderson's. Guess what he's done with his recruits? 23 and 13. Mm-hmm. At what point, and remember all the that conversation we had on the offseason about how we picked off their recruiting uh, yep. guys because they didn't want to invest in it. It's just there's something they don't want to do. Wisconsin doesn't want to be good. They, were, they, they, they think that they are fine and don't want to mess with the, quote, formula. I got news for you. You're not any good and Paul Christ is the reason you ran off your quarterback you haven't developed players your rushing game is embarrassing and guess what you have Michigan coming to town and we're going to have a real gut check experience this coming mm, big time big time yeah I mean there's there's a lot to be said for everything that that you just said I mean I think they want to be Iowa and if you're okay with being fun every five years then that's fine but no, just i will yeah i will wanted to be wisconsin right but wisconsin, at one point, never, yeah. wisconsin never wanted to be anyone else that's their problem they like michigan have this weird arrogance of themselves that they that they are they are good enough and it will and things will just come to them if they continue you know, down ways this way 
this is what happens when you get gifted Russell Wilson. And all of a sudden sure. you think here is he, we should be respected as a national contender because we had this one year where we were that. And then you always fall back on Ron Dane. And listen, they've always had great rushing offenses, but there's there's a talent thing that's very real in college football now. Uh, I mean, it's part of the reason why Nebraska will never recapture that old glory um, because they just won't give talent. And Wisconsin's, yeah, I, I, I mean, to be a modern outfit, I mean, we can speak to it as well as anybody. You see the results right away. You You have to you have to be willing to invest in that recruiting and the fact that they weren't willing to do that. I think, yeah, might not be a coincidence that they're sitting where they're sitting right now, but let's talk about another one of your favorite teams. Not our problem. Okay. Uh, Everyone's favorite carnival Barker, PJ Fleck Mm -hmm. drops the statistically biggest upset in college football since 2018, a 31 point favorite. That's where I was at. I know this because I stupidly, Made a decision Saturday morning and rode with the Gophs, even though I knew they weren't going to cover. I just was feeling frisky. I don't know. Sometimes you make bad bets, okay? They lose 14 to 10 at home to Bowling Green. Bowling Green, one of the worst MAC teams available. Tanner Morgan threw for 59 yards, guys. The Fighting Omar Jacobs. Uh, That's a great name drop. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, that's bad. Uh, I, I mean, we might be looking at a Harbaugh PJ scenario here. I'm not going to lie, uh, where he just ends up being the Minnesota coach for how, 15 how, years. How many teams? Do you, I don't have this answer. How many teams have gotten less than 200 total yards of offense and won? I, I don't know. I assume Michigan State's done it once. <laughs> I'm sure we sure Northwestern has done it too. Yeah, I would say I would say of the teams who have done that, I would bet 85% of them are from the Big Ten. Um, but I mean, Tanner Morgan goes five of 13, 59 yards, two picks. That's good for a 5.1 QB rating. I mean, I, I don't know what to say. Like at, at we this kid went from. I don't want to say good because we don't want to use that word, but mm-hmm. but fine. To, Functional to unplayable. They're gonna they can't play this kid. Yeah, I mean I agree. I just don't know where you go after that if you're Minnesota. Um, yeah, I mean PJ 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 probably should have just moved. Uh, I think he probably overstayed his he he might have gone a bridge too far with Minnesota unless he can pull it together again next year. But like I always pictured Minnesota being like the middle ground stop for PJ Fleck. Yeah. And it's looking more and more like it might be the the final destination uh, for now. Well, PJ's just Lane Kiffin 2.0. Oh, baby. Head to the NFL. Go, PJ. <laughs> Purdue 13, Illinois 9 and maybe the most Big Ten game possible. I w- I refuse to give this game any of my brain power. So it ha- it happened. <laughs> and that's as far as I'm willing to go. Iowa took down Colorado State 24 to 14 in a really 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 bad game. And I am was always out on Iowa because I thought it was a lot of I don't want to say smoke and mirrors. I think you know, you beat Indiana that bad that's worth something. You beat Iowa State at Ohio, Iowa State that's worth something. I think that the scoreboard 
wasn't necessarily always being reflective of the output. And mm-hmm. um, I think you're starting to see it catch up to him a little bit. A win's a win in this weird season. Don't get me wrong, but I'm out on Iowa. Yeah, are we willing to say? I mean, this is frisky Iowa at its mm-hmm. at its finest, though. I mean, this is this is the the prophecy coming true. Um, and yeah, I think it's fair to say they're not the fifth best team in the country. Right. But I also think it's fair to say that I look at teams if we're looking at the AP sixth. I I don't think Oklahoma's better than they are. Cincinnati, prove it. Arkansas, I honestly, I would probably rate above them. Notre Dame, no. Florida, I'd give, I'd consider Ohio State, no. Ole Miss, no. BYU, no. I mean, Michigan, definitely not. So, you know, where, the, the, to your 2007 point, yeah, they're not number five. But, like, of all those teams I just lifted off, how many are they, like, definitely not better than? Like, I would give you Cincinnati, Florida, and that's what I'm comfortable with. Yeah, maybe, and like maybe 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 Arkansas. So Iowa still, despite this game, is still comfortably a top ten team. Oh yeah, but I'm I, I still am out. I they're a little over their. No, britches. that's fair. They're over their britches. They need to get yeah. back to free zone. Hey, I'm I'm with you. Uh, a ten point home win against Colorado State is not going to do a lot to endear you to uh, potential betters. That's for sure. Well, yeah. When you start, when you get into the top five, I'm sorry. The criticism is going to come a little harder. Oh man, and and this week, as we'll get to, they are at Maryland, which feels like oh 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 oh. We'll get to that. Sneak one. by you right here. Uh, <laughs> Michigan twenty, Rutgers thirteen. Rutgers record really really hard, but Michigan did try their best to piss this one away. Um, Michigan saw actually very similar uh, offensive problems to Michigan State in the second half. Uh, they had, I don't believe they had a first down the second half. I mean, this is the same deal, right? Like this, this is the, the, what do we say? What it's we the say same shit. Think? It's this, it's the same thing. You are, you are going to try and run the ball a million times, which is fine. And it works against less talented teams. Mm-hmm. Rutgers is no longer big statement here. Rutgers is no longer that doormat. They are not, they are at, at, at worst, a, competitive big 10 team. I think a bowl game is very in reach for Rutgers. I mean, I, I, I don't think this is that crazy statement. Are they good? Absolutely not. Are they bad? Probably, but uh, I think they're, they're competent enough to, to do some things. And the bottom line is Michigan ran the ball 38 times for only 112 yards. That's a lot, a lot different than what they were able to do against these other trash teams. They played before and make no mistake. Washington, yeah, their defense is fine, but like when you can, when you have the ball for 45 minutes in a game, you're going to be able to run uh, against these teams. But they're not. This is where, when you don't put your quarterback in challenging positions, yep. you are you're going to find yourself not scoring in the second half against Rutgers. And Rutgers is the probably the least talented Big Ten team. They're going to play the rest of the way. I don't totally know their entire schedule. I don't know if they play Northwestern. So that would that would change my tune there yeah of course they play northwestern so but this week they go on the road listen to their schedule and tell me how many teams they're going to face where they're going to be able to run the ball demonstrably better than they did against Rutgers. at wisconsin no nope. at nebraska no nope. no nope. versus northwestern yes nope. at michigan state nope home against indiana nope at penn state nope at maryland probably not home against ohio state no so you want to try to win games this way you'll you have eight games left. You probably go four and four, maybe five and three. 
but but until you have a quarterback who can make, but guess what? Who can that, make plays, make plays. But that's but that but Jim Harbaugh has switched from doing things to get better than the ceiling he's created to just getting yeah. back to the ceiling. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that's fine. And that's fine. that's fine. I think if this if, if this program is fine again, let's let's say this. If this is Wisconsin, this is you Iowa. are you are if you're Iowa, if you are if you're Purdue, shit, if you're Purdue, any any of these other teams in the Big Ten that just want to be there, this is a this is a great season. But you're telling me that that's the 14th best team in the country. I ref- even in this crazy year, I absolutely refuse to believe it. They haven't oh. beaten a team worth anything thus far, and now they go on the road to Wisconsin. And I think we've seen that Wisconsin. You know, it's it's not a vintage Wisconsin team. I think, despite that, this is a that's a that's a tough game for both sides. I think it's a very actually a quite evenly matched uh, game. I think that'll be a a good one. So, you know, hey, yep. you you hung on, you beat Rutgers, good for you. But it's still Rutgers, and you still only put up twenty points, and you didn't score in the second half. You know, hey, that's fine. You won the game. You're born. You are, you are what your record says you are. But there there are some big time warts that are going to get because the soft part of that schedule, they they just played, they have played four of the five worst teams. They are going to play this entire season and they've yet to leave Ann Arbor. So Mm -hmm. three of their next four are on the road against the three best teams they are going to have played. And that includes Nebraska, three of the four, four, three of the best, the best three teams they've played all season. Um, And that doesn't include Penn state or Ohio state yet. So do with that what you will. Exactly. All right. Um, Maryland. 37, Kent State, 16. I am ready. Uh-oh. I am ready to do something. Uh, I am ready to put uh, to his little, little bro on good watch. He might be the best quarterback in the Big Ten also. Yeah, you asked that question earlier, and this is the name that was escaping me. Um, right-handed Tua is out here. <laughs> He's out here. He's out here doing the damn thing. He's thrown three touchdowns in four of the games that they've played. I mean, this game he goes thirty-one of forty-one for three hundred eighty-four yards, three touchdowns, and a pick. I mean, listen, this is still Maryland. Mm-hmm. It's not like they've beaten anybody that seems to be worth much, except maybe West Virginia. That's not a bad Good, one. Man. Four zero. Um, oh. uh, you know, they're about to get into the meat of their schedule too. But yet. Uh, Talia Tungabailoa looks like he, yeah, there's a, probably a reason he went to Bama initially. I think it's mm. fair to say. Um, but yeah, <laughs> listen, you put up points like that, there's not going to be a ton of teams in the Big Ten that can put up points like that on a weekly basis. Big Ten East is insane this year. It's going to be, honestly, I thought, you know, there were going to be four teams that you could have interchanged their record. They're all just going to beat each other. Now I'm thinking it's maybe all of them. <laughs> With the exception of Ohio, it's still a tier above. Um, are they, be- though? I feel like we had this conversation last yeah. week. Are they? Like, are we uh, sure? Here's why. Here's why. Ohio State beats Akron 59-7. to mm. Akron was winning this game 7 nothing. <laughs> Um, Kyle McCord. I mean, he, he plays this game. C.J. Stroud, precautionary, sits out. I, I'm not saying there's a quarterback controversy. I'm also saying they have a very, very, very capable backup quarterback, and I know it's Akron. I know. I know they're maybe one of the worst teams in FBS. But Ohio State 
is still Ohio State. They're still recruiting at a top two level in the country the past five years. They got guys. It's just a matter of John L. Smith uh, quote incoming. The players are playing their asses off and the coaches are screwing it up. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I mean, yeah, and it's also not like this Kyle McCord kid is a slouch. He was the 35th overall recruit in last year's class. So, mm-hmm. yeah, they're going to be okay. Um, yeah, I mean, you're probably right. You're probably right. But, they, yeah, they went on this smoke Dakron. I don't think there's anything to take away uh, from that. Well, there's one thing. So, Austin, you were, you were very busy on Saturday. Kayvon Pope. Uh, oh, did see that, yes. Did quit mid-game. Never seen that before. I've seen people quit. I've never seen people quit mid-game, leave the stadium, and tweet F-U-C-C Ohio State during the game. He's on his phone. He was on I mean, it's it's impressive. I mean, it's shades of Vontae. Was it Vontae Davis uh, for the Bills when he retired in the middle of the game? That's that's the only time I think I've ever seen that before. But yeah, to tweet uh, F Ohio State from the Ohio State locker room, probably wearing Ohio State gear still is. uh, Yeah, that's that that is quite this quite the statement. Um, He entered the transfer portal pretty much right away. Going to be surprised if somebody picks him up. Um, So. Interesting note, his new Twitter header is uh, as Michigan State sweatshirt on. No. Yes. Already? Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. The All same. right, well, come on down. Just keep that same F Ohio State energy and let's <laughs> let's get it. Uh. <laughs> okay, final one. Indiana travels to Bowling Green, Kentucky, and beats Western Kentucky 33-31. to 31. Uh, Western Kentucky in their passing attack gave Indiana all they could handle um, but ultimately Indiana's just more talented and, uh, they were, they were ahead by nine with under two minutes to go. Western Kentucky did score very late. Um, but, but I mean, as a really good preview for what Michigan state can expect, because I think you can now argue that MSU's talent level and at least the two deep or just starters is at Indiana's you yeah. a pretty good preview of what's going to happen here. And, um, just a, a quick note about this game because it's relevant to our preview. Indiana scored on their first six offensive possessions and um, all, and did score on seven of their 10 total possessions. Their last possession was running out the clock. So seven of nine when they were attempting to score. The problem is, is they were held to field goals on many of them. Mm-hmm. So I, I just seeding that for everyone is a fun. Yeah, I mean Indiana's, you know, they've been they've had an up and down season thus far. Um, you know, their two losses are to two good teams in Cincinnati and Iowa. Can't really take a lot away from that. This tells us more about Western Kentucky than I think it does about Indiana. Um, but they've got man, they talk about a brutal stretch. Listen to their next five games at Penn State coming up at night this Saturday. Mm-hmm. Then they get a bye, and then they get Michigan State at home, which is not ideal for Michigan State. Uh, and then they host Ohio State the next week. Then they oh. go to Maryland, and then they host Michigan. Don't like that. That is a rough five-week stretch, man. And that all teams in their division. How brutal is that? Yeah, this division is okay. 
we need to have a real talk about changing. We won't do it now because we have too much to cover, but they got to change these divisions. Like, yeah. You just have to like, forget the, this is a team. This is a conference with a team in Nebraska and a team in Maryland. I think we can forget the logistical uh, like mileage yeah. argument here. Yeah. Let's just get this even because this is just, it's just absurd. I mean, it creates great games, but it makes for uh, just a total, Honestly, I think more than anything else, it, it's the division, the conference shooting itself in the foot. If they split these teams up, you could p- find yourself very easily in an SEC situation so where you've got two teams that could that one could lose in the SEC championship and still make the playoff. This year, if you put Penn State on the other side of this right now, and they were to run the run the run the table and then play again, we'll just keep Ohio State in there, and Ohio State maybe had had run the table. Whoever loses that game is still going to make the playoff. Yeah. So it's it's the Big Ten shooting itself in the foot, and and I don't see like this huge sea change coming. I mean, you thought it was going to be maybe Minnesota. You know, you're always hopeful for Iowa, Wisconsin, but like Nebraska didn't. That third team never held Jeff, up its end. Jeff Spartan Brown never side. popped. Yeah, yep. Jeff Brown never popped. Like everyone thought it might be, they might be the one. You're right. And spin zone uh, for if I was co Big Ten commissioner with you, mm. I would have said, well. There are very competitive games that are created because of this, because um, Purdue just beat Illinois 13 to nine. Yeah. And- so <laughs> you got egg on your face, don't you? Uh. <laughs> you're right. Hey, you're right. We do have a lot more to cover and we're going to put that one probably for next week because it's just getting out of hand. Like you said, the goal is to get to a team to the playoff. The goal should be more than that, if possible, in a year like this. Yes. And the Big Ten can't do it because of the way things are lined up. So, Agreed. All right. Upcoming. Okay, next week. Here we go. Yeah. Quickly, Arkansas heads to Georgia. Arkansas's schedule is brutal, by the way. Oh, I mean, you find yourself in the SEC, what is, is the East? Yeah. That's, I, I mean, that's just, yeah. Talk about a team with a tough schedule. You've. Oh, so you've already played two top 15 teams. Well, let me let you play. Uh, the next three will also be top 25. Also, oh, and then you get LSU and Bama at the end of the year. Have fun. Also, how annoying is that for the teams in that division already? And they're like, wait, in Arkansas is good all of a sudden? What the hell? Shit. <laughs> um, this is a big one. This is their first road game. Yeah. Uh, and it's against a really, really very good, I'll, I'll say it, good Georgia team. Arkansas ahead of schedule. This one's a little too too big of a this uh, one's big yeah another great one cincinnati at notre dame a top 10 game um yeah you're really good about the luke fickles here how about you yeah this is cincinnati this is a must get for cincinnati like as a program uh i think that this is yeah well if you ever want to make the playoff as cincinnati before you're in the big 12 even then you really need to win this game. And I think it's very winnable for them. Notre Dame is not a vintage Notre Dame team. They've already beaten Indiana, who I think is probably honestly not that far from Notre Dame to, to be totally honest with you. I think it's, it's similar. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a must win. I think. Um, another big one. Ole Miss travels to Alabama this week. Um, and here's why this is relevant. And usually you're like, okay, you know, insert ranked team against Alabama. I don't know, guys. Matt Corral might be the number one overall pick this year, or at least a Heisman uh, winner. Yeah, I mean, Matt Corral's looking really, really good. Um, I think he is at this point statistically the the Heisman favorite. Yeah, I mean, hey, if there's ever been a guy who can do a decent Johnny Manziel impression, it's probably Matt Corral. So um, 
listen, it's still you're still going to Tuscaloosa, so I'm still taking Bama. Oh, but, yeah. But yeah, I mean, listen, what you need is a mobile quarterback who can make plays down the field as well uh, and extend plays. And I think that Corral is probably one of the few guys who could actually do that and win the game. Um, on, uh, Florida travels to Kentucky, undefeated Kentucky, and see if they're, if Kentucky's any actually any good or if it's all just a mirage. Um, well, same for Florida. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what, though? We're going to give them a pass for losing to Alabama by home at home by two. Yeah, no. I agree, but I'm just saying this is this is another recently a, a game Florida would find a stupid way to lose. And then uh, Baylor heads to Oklahoma State in the suddenly wide open Big Twelve. Wow. So uh, in the side, yeah, I mean, well, hey, listen, that's that's um, who knows? That's such a Big Twelve game. There might not be a more Big Twelve game than Baylor Oklahoma State because like none yeah. of it matters. And it's just two dumb teams poking each other in the eye. This game won't. This game won't matter. But I think it'll be really fun. A lot of passing. Right. It's transfer to the Big Ten. Iowa tra- heads to Maryland. This is the one we circled earlier this year as the op game for Iowa. Perfect that it's Friday night at Maryland. It's going to be wild. I feel really good about uh, Mike Locksley's career here. Yeah. This is a. This is. I think I'd take I, I'm take I'm riding with Maryland in mm-hmm. this one. Just seems too wait. I don't think what it is Maryland. It, well, it's also <laughs> Iowa. Yeah, I know, but it we is. are officially at mid-season Maryland, which yeah, is a very no good true. Maryland. Such a good point. Such a good point. We're gonna find out mm-hmm. which one of these two, which which way we're going for both of them, because this could easily be. Iowa just saying, oh no, we're actually still the big boys in the room here, and go back go back to sleep Maryland or it could be Maryland saying, Hey, we're actually good. And Mike Locks is saying, Oh, I'm actually a good coach. So I don't know at this point, it'd be hard to pick against uh, Maryland, but that's also me going against my frisky Iowa. So yeah. I probably just won't bet on this game. Don't yeah. Don't listen to us ever, but especially on this game, Charlotte, but we will be taking all the credit, no, regardless of who wins this game, Charlotte as is our right. To Illinois, and you'd think Illinois needs to win this one if they, as far as games left on their schedule. But I mean, sure, they're only favored by nine and a half. I think right. that tells you a lot about Illinois. We need a little more. And another game that um, early kick Minnesota travels to Purdue. You said Baylor at Oklahoma State is the most Big Twelve game possible. I think Minnesota at Purdue might be the most Big Ten game possible. Yeah, I think that's. Yeah, it, it, like when you really boil the Big Ten down to its essence, like what's left in the bowl, mm-hmm. uh, it's Minnesota at Purdue yes. at 11 o'clock. Exactly. Uh, Michigan travels to Wisconsin, and what was supposed to be a big game earlier this year, it's a big game for different reasons now, I think. I think it's a big game for both teams, though. I don't know that it's a big game impact-wise within the – yeah, no, not nationally. No, I think Wisconsin had a chance to make it that. Uh, this week and, and obviously that didn't didn't happen but um i think if wisconsin loses this one especially if it's by a couple touchdowns i think the conversations around paul christ actually start to happen mm-hmm. like i i think that's that's what kind of like there's a it's a little it's kind of smoldering right now mm-hmm. with the way that that fourth quarter went but i think it actually turns into a a slight flame if they lose this one especially at home uh, to a team that's not gonna you know bomb the ball down the field on you they're just gonna out you you um and for michigan this is you know 
you're going on the road and playing a quality Big Ten opponent. This is your first big boy test, whether you want to admit it or not. Uh, and, you know, if you win, the, the beauty of this is that if they win, they just beat another unranked team. But if they lose, they lose to another unranked <laughs> team. So it's really a, it's kind of a win-win for us spinsters. So uh, I will say if, if Michigan does go on the road and wins, um I'll respect it. That's a nice, that's a good one. It would be a good win for either team. I think it's a very yeah. even matchup still, despite what we saw from Wisconsin this week. Ohio State travels to Rutgers. Careful. Mm. I'm, not, I'm not willing to go as far as to say that, that anyone's on Ope Watch. But, no. uh, but 15 point favorites? That's, that's a lot the line's in play. The line's in play. Uh-huh. Um, I think Rutgers is, yeah. I mean, again, it's Ohio State. I expect them to come out and and do great things. But, yeah. but again, I mean, Rutgers isn't isn't, you know, in previous seasons I would have hammered that line for Ohio State. But this year it makes me a little bit more nervous because I think you've actually got some uh, professionals in the building. And and is is CJ Stroud get the start? Is he looking over his shoulder? Uh, he should be if he's not. In Indiana travels to Penn State. Uh, mm. this isn't you mentioned this, this is a night game ABC <sighs> who made Indiana schedule I don't know but also minus 11 yeah. I'm this is the quintessential yeah. game that Indiana would win now I know Penn State is going to be fired up because wow. they already beat Auburn at home the way they lost to Indiana last year all of that stuff this is such an Indiana game to win this is yeah. such an Indian and such a Penn State game for them to lose. So oh, yeah. I, I will not be surprised at all uh, if Indiana manages to come out in. Um, they're going to hang points on Penn State. That's the thing. And Penn State is a really good defense. Their offense is very hit or miss. So if Indiana can put up, you know, somewhere near 30, I think they've got a they've got a real chance. Same. And then Northwestern travels to Nebraska at night in the we've been passed by Michigan State on the goodness matrix game of the week. Yeah. And just who cares? Like, truly, who cares? This is so the the Scott Frost game to win. If he loses, he's going to get fired. I'll, I'll say that. I, I, seriously, if they, if they lose this game at home at night to a yeah. bad Northwestern yeah. team, he's going to he's going to get fired. He should get fired. Fitzy's gonna coach him in circles, and yeah, but uh, yeah, this is the battle for who gets to call their university NU. I think. Um, Congratulations, guys. Um, fun. The people have requested the goodness matrix. We'll go through it quickly. If you're new to the podcast, almost nobody is good. Everyone in college football is not good. You see it every year. Correct. It's just varying levels of bad. And we address tiers to those varying levels of bad. And we should start with who is good. Who do we put in the good category? Well, the 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 by default beginning of of every season, the only team that we the season starts with Alabama's good. One Nobody team. else, no one else has any title applied to them at the huh? beginning of the year. It's all speculative. Uh-huh. So it will not surprise you to know that that currently, and and this changes every single week. Except for Alabama will always be good, no matter basically no matter what. Um, Alabama currently good. I don't think that's a surprise. Going on the road and beating what seems like a very competent Florida team cemented that. Um, they've got a chance once again to prove it. Even if they lost this week, they're still good. Um, I personally am willing to put Oregon in good. Like my and John and I don't always match up. Uh, mine is I'm putting Oregon in good. 
Yeah. They went on the road and beat Ohio State. I don't know how much more you can do at this. And they've they've pretty much smoked everybody else that they've played. So I don't really know how much more you can do necessarily at this point to be considered good. So as we sit here today, yeah. I am personally willing to put them in good. And I, I get it. I get it. I get it. But they're 4-0. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, they've... They smoked Arizona. They beat Fresno State. They smoked Stony Brook, um, that, which doesn't matter. They are, by the way, if they do not make the playoffs this year, they'll never make it again. Their schedule is a joke. The only game they have on there that's, I would even categorize as remotely difficult is at UCLA in a couple of weeks. So I'm putting Oregon up there. The other one that I think we kind of agree on, although is looking a little funny in the light with how Clemson's performing, yeah. is Georgia. Yeah, but we're giving them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt in right. just the talent level. Is, yes, is, is they haven't well, let, they haven't let de- down in the way we've seen other teams that have recruited at their level been let us down. Yeah. Well, I like, mean, also very few teams recruit at that level, and they also covered the spread against Vandy, which was a thirty-something point spread in the first quarter last week. So I think I'm willing to give any team that can do that. Against an in-conference opponent, uh, the yeah. good. That's level. it. So right now it's the top three, and I think we said that at the beginning. It's really those three, and then after that, it's it's just a smorgasbord of who the hell is going to make this fourth spot. A lot of bad teams. So this mm-hmm. year we'll just do the Big Ten teams. You know, if you're yes, not good, but maybe could ascend to good levels. Penn State. And Ohio State. I don't think yes. there's anyone else in the conference that could ascend to hashtag good. It's not possible, in my opinion. Any other base? Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, I'm even skeptical on Penn State, although they have uh, quite a bit of talent. As long as Sean Clifford's a quarterback, I'm not sure Penn State can ever truly be good. But um, <clears throat> in Ohio State, that's what concerns me, too, is which one of these freshman quarterbacks going to step up and, and play in Ohio State's defense is also a big-time concern. Uh, yeah. All things considered, but these are the two teams that I think, you know, as we talk about who could make a legitimate college football playoff push. um, These are the two that I I put in there and they just the rosters are pretty stacked. So, um, So, yeah, they'd have to either of these teams would have to literally win out for me to even consider. Yeah. Going in the good. And I I, agree. So a lot of work to do. Uh, The new category I've created um, here, a couple new tiers. We change the tiers every time we do this, by the way. Um, I'm calling this the mid and mid plus category. Mm-hmm. If you're unfamiliar with the term mid, uh, Google it. Uh, mid, mid plus for me, um, Iowa's mid plus, uh, Michigan is mid plus, Michigan State is mid plus. Any, any, any feedback? I don't disagree with any yet. These, I think these schools and the two in the next two categories are all cousins of each other. Mm-hmm. But I think we're giving these three programs a little bit of a benefit of the doubt because of their coaching and just because of the, the, the pedigree and they're undefeated. Yeah. Um, Iowa, I think, is perfectly categorized as mid-plus. I think Michigan deserves to to be there, too. And I think MSU deserves to be there. You look at all three of these rosters – and the teams, and yeah, they're all undefeated. They've all got something that's glaring that will ultimately cost them 
probably at least one game. Oh. So, um, yeah, but I think they're better than mid. Like mid is mid is yeah. average. Mid is they've mid shown is. you something. They put something on field this on tape this year where you're kind of like, uh, that's gross. And those two teams mm-hmm. are Wisconsin and Indiana. I think those are are very fair additions. Like you came into this year thinking, oh, they they maybe are in the maybe could be good. They might be a little bit better than mid, but ultimately they've put some stuff on tape that's just sort of. Oh sort of gross and they look a little bit broken. So, um, yeah, I agree with those as well. You know, the difference between mid and our favorite category frisky is Mm -hmm. mid is disappointing. Frisky is maybe a positive of being bad, like a a positive spin of bad. And Maryland and Rutgers are squarely in the frisky category for me. Like Mm -hmm. they're thrilled with their records right now. It's the trend line. Mid's yeah. trend line is neutral to bad, whereas mm-hmm. Frisky's is uh, neutral to chaotic good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where I would put Maryland for sure. I, I mean, I'm I'm almost willing to put Maryland. Well, this is a big week. I yeah. got to see I them play a, a big boy. Yeah, Rutgers, Rutgers as well. Mid-season um, Maryland. We got to see it. I, I think those two teams are both for sure Frisky. I think... The other one we've got currently in this category that I, I sort of think almost deserves its own category of like mm-hmm. just sad mm-hmm. is Nebraska. Because yeah. when you look at them, man, like that is and truly in watching it, I was genuinely like surprised by the amount of talent I saw on the field, like especially defensively. They were flying to the yeah, ball. They're sad. And it's it's sad. Like it's just it, if they had, if they a didn't shoot themselves in both feet and and then the arm and then the other arm throughout the entire game, they could have absolutely won. If they had a quarterback who didn't make stupid decisions, if they had an offensive line who could block with shit, they would have. They, they could be four and one. They should be mid plus. They're they're like one play away from being five and zero oh in like they're one play in all all of those games from from being undefeated. So uh, yeah, it's just sad and like I just don't know that. I mean, you're getting to the point where you have to ask the questions of is Scott Frost the guy to pull them out of that? Because they should, like you said, they should be at least mid. They're not. Um, we're willing to put in the stinky category. Um, you know, you lose to Bowling Green at home. You're stinky, Minnesota. Purdue, Jeff Brom ain't getting it done for me. Mm-hmm. I know that they're three and one. I do not care because their wins are against Oregon State, Illinois. And two teams I didn't even bother to look up, or a team I didn't bother to look up. So I'm out until further notice. And I'm going to be crystal clear. If, if Purdue fans are happy going six and six and playing per, playing Indiana for the old oak and bucket and bowl game eligibility every year, have at or Haas. Don't care. If that's, if that's what makes you happy, go with God. You <laughs> it's just not for me. So I'm out on Purdue. Yeah, I agree. Um, I just generally agree with that. These teams are both sort of bummers, like where you kind of thought they could be good, but aren't. Um, yeah, they, they fit perfectly together in this category. And then the last one, which is its own, which I think you could describe in many ways. Turdy, bottom of the bowl, charts, is <laughs> generally unfortunate things that happen. Um, Illinois and Northwestern, man, like, oof, it's, mm-hmm. it's bad. I mean, the Brett Bielema era 
it's mm. just so perfectly, perfectly Burt and so perfectly Illinois to win that first game against what's clearly a talented Nebraska team. And then just immediately flush all your goodwill down the toilet. Uh, it's it's just too perfect. So it's funny because Illinois, I think, being here is almost like a disappointment because you sort of had some positive momentum. Northwestern, who cares? Like, they, I, I truly don't think a single Northwestern fan has noticed that a football season's been going on. I, I'm not sure that they're aware of it uh, because the students, I don't think, are aware of it. Because class, I think, just classes like just started for them. And they're like, oh, shit, football, cool. Um, are they any good? No, okay, I'm not going to go to the games. I wasn't going to go to the game anyway. Here's why we need new divisions. Northwestern's gone to the Big Ten championship game two of the last three years. Yes. Can't have it. Can't no. have it. Nope. It's not okay. To be honest with you, the reason why the Big Ten should the, – the, and, and, and I'm going to get killed for this. The Big Ten should be trying to do everything they can to engineer a way to get Michigan-Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game. They should be breaking yes. their backs to try to make this happen because the numbers they would do, the amount – at a minimum, a minimum Penn State. But, yeah. like, you, you, listen, whether they deserve it or not, Michigan is part of this timeless rivalry. Mm-hmm. That that you would think you want to give a prime time spot. They get ratings, to, man. They, they, uh, yeah, I mean, at the end, and look back at all the great Big Ten championship games. It was Michigan State, Ohio State. It was probably the best one that's been played. Michigan yep. State, Wisconsin was the other one. Like when you get two good teams in these games, typically they deliver. Michigan State, Iowa. It was ugly as hell, but it was a great game. Um, and so you should be engineering ways to get these matchups between these top five or six programs. And instead you've got four of the top five, four of the top, or maybe the top four all in the same division. Yeah. They should be doing everything they can to make better matchups happen. <sighs> we'll revisit Whatever. the uh, goodness matrix and uh, re re aligning the divisions in, in future podcasts, but we need to jump to Western Kentucky um, I got one submission for why they stink long ago. Um, <laughs> big shout out to at Quentin BBB and BBB, which I hope <laughs> is a reference to Connor Hayward. Um, Same. Western Kentucky sucks. They got a top five, nearly, they got a nearly top five recruit in Charles Bassey and proceeded to do nothing. They lost in the second round of the NIT this year and Bassey was a second round pick. Yeah. A hundred percent. And definitely. Uh, unacceptable. And uh, the other piece is I think we need to consider is they have one reason I don't like them is they have maybe the most likable mascot next to Sparty. I know. You can't have it. I know. The the hill, the, the topper is yeah. uh, just a phenomenal mascot because it isn't anything. It's, we it's supposedly it's a big red hill, but that's that's I, all I've seen. Well, I love it. I love which it. is why I hate absolutely it. love it. So MSU hosting Western Kentucky night game. Uh-oh. And uh, the spread opened up at eight and a half, and it has been steadily climbing, Austin, uh, since then. And as of last night, it was ten and a half. Um, and even more money has been put on Michigan State. It's up to eleven this morning. So uh, people like the matchup, they like the home. Uh, the woodshed and I have a quick thought for you it is Western Kentucky we talked about this in the offseason pod they had the biggest game of their uh, program history hosting a power five team at night and they had a team that could play with them you 
you would think that a lot of that tape is going to be really, really good for Michigan State to take a look at because they they busted it all out, as they should have, right? Like, you get a Power 5 team at home who's kind of on the ropes like Indiana, you yeah. feel pretty good like you could you could pull this one off. And um, they didn't. They had a lot. And that's okay. But they, they showed a lot of their hand. And that's that's the situation that Michigan State gets to, to have uh, going into this one. Yeah, I think this is a da- this is a dangerous matchup for MSU. Oh, I mean, yeah. you might not you, you might not look at Western Kentucky and think, oh, it's is this you know the team that could come in and beat Michigan State. But this, this if you're going to go in and cause an upset, you need to do basically have two things going for you. You need to be able to score one way or the other, and ideally, you need to have a quarterback who can make plays down the field. They've got that uh, in Bailey Zapp, uh, who is a transfer from I want to say SMU. Is it SMU? No, uh, Houston Baptist. Houston Baptist. I knew it was a school in Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, he transferred along with one of their receivers. Was it right. was it Jareth? Was it Jareth Stearns that transferred as well? Their top receiver. Yes, both of them. Yes. So they transferred together. I mean, these guys have been playing together for I think three or four years now. Um, so you've already got instant kind of chemistry uh, there. Zap this year has thrown for 1,200 yards, a little over 1,200 yards, completing 73% of his passes. 13 touchdowns, two picks, only taking three sacks. Yep. But that tells me, and in watching these guys a little bit, they get the ball fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they get it out to those wide receivers. They've got three receivers with over 14 catches. Jarrett Stearns, uh, Mitchell, I believe it's, yeah, Mitchell Tinsley and Malachi Corley. Three guys that, um, like I said, get get the ball and get it fast. Uh, it's This is going to be the, the team that's going to come in and, just throw the ball. I mean, it's all they're going to do. Um, the, I will say when you look at maybe what – so so first and foremost, Michigan State's defense is going to be very much the center of attention in this game. Uh, Zap's going to come out and throw the ball 40-plus times. Tough week to lose Kalon Gervin, to be totally honest with you. Bad opponent to do that with. Uh, defensively, you're going to have to create turnovers – you're going to have to be able to stop. You know, it's going to be interesting because I think MSU has really tried to sell out against the run in more or less every game that they've played so far. And their front seven has really done a lot of the winning for them. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to do that winning again, but it's going to be different because I do not think they're going to bring nearly the pressure that they've brought before or nearly as consistently because of this quick passing attack. Um, guys like Ronald Williams, guys like Chester Kimbrough, like you're going to not only have to be in coverage all day, probably getting the ball thrown at you 10, 15 times, you're going to have to make tackles. Uh, that's probably the biggest thing is this, if the secondary can wrap up, which honestly they've done a really good job of doing so far, especially the safeties in Dowell and Snow, um, they're going to be able to keep keep Western Kentucky from making too many huge plays. But uh, that passing game would would worry me. Now, on the other side of the ball, Listen, like last week, Michigan State struggled to run. Mm-hmm. They should not struggle to run in this game. Um, the two losses that Western Kentucky has are to Army, who obviously runs a triple option. They give up 38 points to Army. That's a lot of points, even to a triple option. Uh, and then they lost to Indiana, who had a 100-yard rusher in Stephen Carr. Um I think the approach to this game for MSU from an offensive perspective is to just get back to what you were doing before. Um, you're going to have a more talented team. You're going to have the best player on the field when your offense is on the field and Kenneth Walker. Uh, get back to running the ball and leading a balanced offense. And honestly, if I'm Michigan State, I'm probably trying 
especially as you get past that first quarter where you might come out and try to throw a haymaker or two and, and really get them doubting things early on. Um, control the clock because Western Kentucky can score. They can score quickly. I would probably in, you know, they've played a big 10 team already. So they kind of know what that looks like. You know, they, they're going on the road. They're playing in a tough environment, but um, you need to control the clock. You need to win the turnover battle. You need to keep performing on special teams. If MSU just does what it's supposed to do, they should be fine in this game. Mm -hmm. But it's also not difficult to see, you know, especially in the recent years, MSU making a mistake or two that keeps this either closer than it should be or ultimately leads to it going the other way. I I think 11 points is a big spread. Um, I think MSU can cover it, but I won't be surprised at all if this one is one that's a little bit closer. And and John, I'll let you get in here in a second. Mm -mm. I think maybe last week's game came, in terms of the performance, came at a perfect time uh, because if they had gone out and run all over Nebraska and just crushed them at home at night, you know, maybe they're rolling into this game uh, to use a Tom Izzo term, you know, a little fat and sassy. Mm-hmm. And maybe even looking ahead to those games against Rutgers and Indiana and Michigan that are coming up. But um, having a little bit of a comeback to earth moment for the offense against Nebraska might have ended up ultimately being um, might end up being a good thing because, you know, the coaches can now be like, hey, guys, we, you know, great job. You perform great offense. We're not going to win games if you play that way. So um, if the defense can hold up its end of the bargain, keep them around you know, the 20 point mark, which is where they've kept every opponent so far. Uh, MSU should be okay. But that passing attack from Western Kentucky is no joke. It's true. And brace yourselves. And I'm saying something that uh, I'm, I'm saying to help myself remember to calm down because then in between the 20s, Western, Western Kentucky is going to get theirs. They're yeah. going to do the thing that you hated watching forever the past decade in Michigan State's just going to give you parts of the field okay it's just the way it is and, and you got to just breathe breathe through those <laughs> huge cushions that Michigan State is going to give Western Kentucky okay and when things get bottled up it's going to be a lot more difficult because Western Kentucky can't run the ball at all they choose right. not to they they don't even want to so they're they're going to be relying on a guy who um has never, I don't believe, won against a Power Five team uh, to 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 figure out a way to do that at any slanting in in those tight windows. So you have that going for you. Another thing you need to consider is that uh, against Army, everyone knew they were running every down and they had over five yards of pop. Consider that mm-hmm. Indiana chose to put the ball in their best player's hand, Michael Penix, and. He threw the ball 53 times. Now, that doesn't mean that Michigan State should copycat that performance. Indiana just put the ball. They stopped messing around, and they are giving the ball to their best player. Indiana had 134 yards rushing for only 3.4 yards of carry. The difference here is Michael Penix, they just they didn't even have him running around anymore with that ACL tear. He doesn't do that anymore. He's, right. he's in, okay. They gave him the ball, and he shredded them. Shredded them. 373 yards, seven-yard average took care of business, right? They had to settle for some field goals. That was the problem for, for Indiana. Indiana is still a little bit of a mess on offense, so, so consider that. UT Martin, 
the FCS team that Western Kentucky played in the first game of the season. They ran for 201 yards on Western Kentucky, almost six yards a pop. All right. So kind of Michigan State, you just need to give the ball to your best player. Don't overthink it. Give Kenny, give, give Kenny Walker the ball. He'll be fine. Trust me on that. Western Kentucky, they're just going to try and keep everything in front of them because they just want, they're going to keep in front of them and hold you to field goals. That's their goal. That's a win because they're going to just try and outgun you. Right. That, that's their game plan. It's, it's take a look at Mike Leach's handbook. Get the ball right. back and score. It's just score. Get more possessions. If you limit possessions, you have a better chance of winning. And yep. that, that's all there is to it. And, you know, the, la- the last thing I'll say about this game is, um, you know, while the passing defense for Michigan State is quite suspect, uh, you might see a different type of coverage. And, and because Western Kentucky does have any, so many three-step drops and get it out, there's not like blitzing and it's almost like, is it worth it? Just put right. everyone in front of you and, and make them really have to manufacture 10 to 15 play drives. That's hard to do in college. It's yep. hard to do. So, well, you shrink the field too. Yeah. I mean, to, to your point, you, if, if you're going to give stuff up between the 20s. MSU has been doing it for the last 20 years. Um, and I think a lot of teams in college are very comfortable doing that. So you don't get beat over the top. I think that's something that you're absolutely right. MSU is going to employ that because they're not going to try to run the ball. They're going to run everything into the flats. That's okay. Uh, but when that field shrinks, those flats become a lot, your defenders get a lot closer to you in the flat. And ultimately athleticism ends up winning those battles when you get out into space a lot more times than not, which plays into Michigan state's hands. I don't think the defense is necessarily going to win this game for MSU. I expect Western Kentucky to put up, Again, 21 points or so. This one, to me, as much as you know, you would think that's the big X factor matchup. I'm looking at the offense. I want to see a bounce back. I want to, I, I, not to say, like you said, I don't want Peyton Thorne throwing the ball 50 times in the game. I want them to get back to running the ball with Kenneth Walker. Don't put a lot on tape here that other opponents are going to be able to see. Just run the ball, execute your offense, get Thorne back in a rhythm because the two games you've got coming up on the road at Rutgers and on the road against Indiana are not. 2002 Rutgers in Indiana. You know what I mean? This isn't 2000. This isn't bad Rutgers, bad Indiana. These are teams capable of beating you and you need your quarterback young, still very in green, all things considered quarterback feeling good going into those games. So Mm -hmm. to me, that would be a cheap assignment. One a is to get him back on track. And I'm not going to be, I don't want to be, you know, uh, hyperbolic or, or overreactionary here. But if he comes out and shits the bed again, which I wouldn't say he did necessarily outside of the second half of last week, light a fire. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think there's there's something to be said for, like, maybe start, you know, people are going to start asking that question about Anthony Russo if he comes out and performs poorly in this game. So my my as a if I was the offensive coordinator, if I'm Jay Johnson, my goal is to get Peyton Thorne some 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 play action, easy completions early in this game and get his confidence back up because you need him. If you're gonna if you're gonna go the places people think this team can go, and again we said earlier, not all the expectations are reasonable at this point, but you are four and zero. I think an eight, nine, ten win season is not it's not impossible. Wow. So no, I'm just saying you're telling me if they went less than eight, eight and four right now, you'd be happy. No, I'd have to, I'd have I'll answer to the question settle. for you. I'd have to settle 
and talk myself into being happy. No. So anything at this point, you, you see, I've personally have seen enough from all three facets of the game to say anything, anything less than eight and four would be a disappointment. You'd be under 500 the rest of the way. You'd be three and five the rest of the way if you went, if you were going to finish with less than eight wins. So knowing that you need your quarterback and, and this next chunk of this season, this West Kentucky Rutgers, Indiana, that that's where you can get to that seven number before you even enter the really tough last five games. So you need to win and you need to win now if you want to go where people think you can go. And um, in order to do that, you're, you need Peyton Thorne. You need the Peyton Thorne that performed at Miami. You need the Peyton Thorne that performed against North uh, Northwestern and Youngstown State. So, yep. again, my goal, get him on track. I think MSU wins this game. It's at home. It's at night. I hope the, the place is rocking and uh, they can come out of this feeling really good and be 5-0, and which is insane. That is a weird sentence to say once you, you hear it out loud. Um, it Bailey's at Western Kentucky hasn't played uh, in, a, in a real hostile environment yet. Okay, so that that's part one thing to consider. They're going to get their yards, but as I mentioned, Indiana scored on their first six possessions. Right. Just move the ball. It doesn't have to be big plays. They're probably not even going to let you have them. So. But you do have the best player on either sideline. Just give the ball, give the ball to Kenneth Walker. Let him work. And by the way, Jordan Simmons is sneakily having a nice little year. Mm-hmm. And, and and so you have multiple backs. This is a get right game for the offensive line. After yep. that abysmal second half against a really good defense, you're gonna face a defense that's not that great. It's a get right game. And and you know, we talked about if they couldn't move the ball in Northwestern, you got big problems. We're back to, unfortunately, score zero. If you can't move the ball against Western Kentucky, you're going to have big problems later this year. So get right. Get right. And um, have fun if you're going to go ahead to the game. Night games are awesome. Enjoy this. Yeah. Get after it, guys. Enjoy it. Uh, MSU hopefully on there. You know, let's see if we can get to 5-0 and cash that ticket. Um, one last, all right, John. Wait, wait one ahead. last and one last uh, housekeeping note for everyone. I think it's important. Michigan State's defense is doing a fantastic job. If they can, if the offense can keep them off the field, they're going to continue to get even better. One thing that I should want everyone to watch for is they're one of six FBS teams left to not give up a first quarter point. The only other teams are Wisconsin, Colorado State, Arkansas, Army, and Syracuse. Western Kentucky is going to put up points. Don't get me wrong. Yep. Don't get upset if it, the streak breaks this this year. I just think it's worth pointing out. Wow, that's impressive. Four games, not a single first quarter point. That's Scotty Hazelton, man. Yeah, man, that that's that's great. I mean, listen, the most points they've given up in a game this this season is twenty one. Yeah, I think that's 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 improvement. That's what you're hoping to see. So big time. It's going to be put to the test this week. But I, I'm I'm I, I think we're uh, all excited for another game. Unlike last year. Um, all right, John. That was a good one. All right, guys. As always, thanks for sticking with us, and we will catch you next week. See ya. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.